Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. This is a uh, this is Dan McCoy. Sorry, I'll do that first. And I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. Uh, Dan, I just I'm glad that you I'm glad you caught yourself there, so that the audience the whole time wasn't saying who is addressing me, who's this mystery voice, what's going on, where am I. Well, uh, th- we have a guest tonight that I will introduce in just one second. But first, I'll explain that here on the Flophouse podcast, um, on other weeks, every other week, we uh, watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And on these, uh, not those weeks, the other other weeks, is this easy to follow? Uh, we do minis where we talk about whatever we want to talk about. And in this case, uh, we have a great guest who we want to talk to for the mini. Uh, Parker Bennett is a writer, an author, a cartoonist. Uh, the reason we have him on tonight, though, is because recently we did our Super Mario Brothers live show which is a movie that he worked on as a screenwriter, and uh, he was in the audience <laughs> chatting away. Uh, we didn't know about it until um, uh, Matt was texting us, our, t- our tech guy, and um, uh, no one was paying, uh, was answering because we were doing a, sh- a live show at the time. Uh, <laughs> I think that I was maybe the only one who actually saw it because uh, Stuart was using his phone as his camera, yeah, among which is, other reasons. Which is great because I otherwise I would have been distracted when mid-show I got one of those jack-off blackmail emails. <laughs> and I'm like, like sh- perfect. Now, now you're saying this is this is a blackmail email of low quality, where it's an email that says we have video of you jacking off and you have to give us money. Like yeah, when you well, when you say jack yeah, off blackmail, and we'll get to and Parker, I apologize. We'll get to you. <laughs> we'll get to you very soon. But I have to get to the bottom yeah, of this Stuart mystery. Yeah, opened a real can of worms here that we have to address <laughs> yeah, first. So apparently. the premise is that like the guy it takes a very like friendly tone. It's like, hey, everybody does it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, guy. He's like, but you do it way too much and to such weird stuff. And I'm like, Oh, come on. You don't got to judge me now. And then Mm -hmm. he's like, uh, if you don't want the people in your life to be embarrassed of you or something, yada, yada, yada. And at some point he starts asking for money. I'm like, buddy, you should be paying me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because if you don't find it hot, at least you're going to find it fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, and with that is the introduction. What's your that- pricing? <laughs> what's your pricing schedule? Wow. Stuart? Well, Dan, you- uh, just oh, we're going I'll, further I'll, into I'll, this bit. Okay. I'll DM you. We, we can haggle okay. a little bit. Well, anyway, w- th- th- these messages were coming, uh, <laughs> mostly just, just to me. I was, I was, uh, fo- I saw the, I saw the thread efforts. I was focused on the show. Oh. Yes. No, well, <laughs> yeah. certainly. But uh, but I was keeping an eye out for you know uh, any information from our our tech person, and then Audrey started running in and handing me uh, uh, post-its about how we could get oh. Parker on the show, and <laughs> I was waving her off angrily, and then spending the next like twenty minutes of the show worrying that I had uh, been too brusque with Audrey when she ran in. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that this is anyway. the only Throw time the, a flop. She did it's throw the, the engagement ring back in your face. Yeah. yeah, it's the only time a flop house show has ever had a breaking bulletin, which so we're not used to handling that situation. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there, we don't have the infrastructure for breaking news. But anyway, this is all. Just wind up to welcome <laughs> Parker Bennett to the show. Thank Hello. you. Hi, guys. It's a me, as they say. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Showing off your bona fides right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so now, just just to uh, clarify, I was not in the chat room uh, 
blackmailing Stewart about his jacking off. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Again, yes, then I would ask you for money. It's you know, it's all. It's, so you're saying it's almost, but that that if that's not the case, it's almost as if Stewart's tangent about his his jack off blackmail email was unnecessary in this episode, uh-huh. and I yeah, refuse yeah. to believe that. That doesn't fit into God's plan for this show. Because previously, Dan had not wasted a single syllable in his introduction. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> a long preamble. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like this. Whenever we have a guest on this show, it's like when I would invite a friend over for dinner when I was a kid, and all the behavior that I thought of as normal, I'd realize is totally it doesn't make sense to to outsiders <laughs> who have functional homes. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, uh, we'll get to your. Uh, actual work in a second, but first, the first question I wanted to ask was, how did you come to uh, be in the audience for our show? <laughs> you're, this is this is just uh, you're pimping me for a for a uh, you know plug because I listen to you guys uh-huh. constantly all the time oh, every week. Um, very big nice, fan. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, I would not miss that show. And uh, I uh, honestly, I, I uh, also was very distracted during the show because of the amazing merch. Uh, oh, it was the, wow. the quality of the merch. You know, <laughs> speaking of both the merch and Audrey handing me notes, uh, I'm holding up Tell About Merch Limited Time was a note that she gave me right before this. Wow. I, I, te- oh. I think I teed you up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So the uh, for- when, when you're hearing this episode, uh, there's still, if, if you're listening to it the day of release, there's still a chance that you can get in on some of the limited edition merch and the show itself, if you haven't watched the show, right? Yes, and yes. Uh, we, you know, we haven't like figured it out. We may release this many a little early. We may extend the show a little longer. One of those two, just because we think that it's so nice that we are able to talk to one of the screenwriters uh, for the show. So if anyone listens to this, uh, I don't. We don't want them to be uh, wanting to see that show and then be disappointed. And so we'll figure out a way of of getting this out there before that goes away forever. But I'll mention, if there is time, then the, you can get tickets at theflophouse.simpletix.com to see a recording of that show. And the aforementioned beautiful merch is at bonfire.com slash store slash flophouse tour store. All one word. Okay. You well, get, so, I think okay. if you Google bonfire flophouse, you'll find it. No, which no, is then you find, hopefully an image of us being set on fire. Yeah, you find all the churches where they're throwing our merch onto, onto uh-huh. piles of, and they, lighting them somebody on fire. Is, somebody has stuffed Dan into a bear costume. <laughs> oh, that's not going to bring back his honey. Yeah. Let's get back to our our guest. I, wa- I wanted to know, um, so... You're one of the three credited writers for Super Mario Brothers. I know that there are many more than that, and that's you know, uh, for those who don't, uh, who aren't professional <laughs> uh, screenwriters, uh, uh, crediting on movies is uh, a crazy business that is decided by arbitration by the unions and all sorts of uh, 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 equations and such. Often there are many more writers who work on something that are are listed, but you are credited. You're one of the three credited writers. I think it's uh, I think it's co blame. I think uh, oh, the idea yeah, is not yeah, yeah. Right, right, credit right, right. per se. Uh, so yeah, there were there was a way there was at least ten writers. Uh, when, wow. When we were brought on, uh, so the project started with um, uh, <laughs> Roland Jaffe of the Mission and uh, and Killing the Killing Fields, Fields right? 
uh, fame, yeah, somehow talked Nintendo into giving him the rights to produce this movie, which I, you know, if you meet Roland Joffe, and if you've seen Spalding Gray's Swimming to Cambodia, he talks about Roland, and it's, it's exactly that. It's like, Roland is this incredibly intense person, and he, he has a <laughs> British accent, and he, he's just so, in, he like, he just draws you in, and you, you cannot help yourself, but you must do whatever he says. And um, he talked them into giving him this thing. I don't know what they were thinking, but he commissioned a script from Ron Bass, who wrote Rain Man, and uh, they wrote, uh, gave him a million dollars, and Ron Bass wrote a script about two brothers, one sort of an idiot savant, and the other sort of a grumbly guy, and they're on a road trip through America, and it was literally <laughs> as if he'd taken the script for Rain Man and done a search and replace <laughs> for Mar with Mario and Luigi. And <laughs> did and they ever they jump on a turtle or anything? Like no, anything? <laughs> no, no, no reference at all to the game. And and so like the joke around the office, they called the script Drain Man, like he was a plumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was yeah. it was like a, a million dollars. So the 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 budget overruns have already started. Uh, then they uh, they got. Um, uh, uh, what uh, Tom Par uh, Jim Genoan and Tom Parker, who uh, worked with a guy named Greg Beeman, uh, to do a sort of the, the the draft you would expect, like sort of a fantasy world, and it's there's talking rocks and uh, you know big flowers, and and it's kind of Wizard of Ozzy, and it's um, kind of a kids movie, and like really like a excuse really young kids movie, and they got really far into this. They had. Uh, <laughs> you know, they had uh, clay maquettes and they had, uh, you know, the production staff had come on board to make uh, creatures and things. And uh, then the movie that Greg Beeman directed called Mom and Dad Save the World came out and it just completely right. tanked. <laughs> and uh, right. so they said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get rid of the guy who's, who's done this movie that tanked and we're going to hire uh, Rocky Morton and Animal Jankel who've done one movie. <laughs> so, yeah. but it was, you know, DOA, which uh, was, you know, interesting. And mm -hmm. was, and they've done a it's lot. Kinda, and they, it's, it's kind of still the way Hollywood works, though, because it's like, I liked that indie film you made. Here's Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Have at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, so they, um, uh, Rocky and Mournable had a pitch that they liked, and they'd done Max Headroom, which is, you know, kind of a big deal. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, they had... Uh, um, done a lot of music videos, and they were really, I mean, commercial directors, too. They're very, very stylish directors, and uh, and they also are British. So I don't know if Roland Joffe was swayed at all by the fellow Brit angle here, but possibly. And, uh, and so they came in, and uh, they needed some writing done, and uh, we got an opportunity to pitch on the project. And I drew, because I'm a cartoonist, I drew a poster. And uh, I drew uh, sort of a dark, looking into the dark pipes coming out mm -hmm. and into the darkness. And in the middle of the darkness, there's these glowing eyes, those sort of reptilian eyes. And, uh, you know, just, you know, big logo, Super Mario Brothers coming to save the world this summer. And I think that's what got us the job. I think huh. the, the movie poster. Now, that totally didn't work when we pitched the Munsters. And yeah. had a, and shot a little video of the head of Herman Munster and panned up and re, and it's a and it's a wedding cake with uh, Marilyn Munster and a guy on top and we that was our pitch uh, that didn't work. So anyway, they uh, had a, a meeting with us. That's a great pitch for a Munster's movie, though. That's that a fantastic a pitch. pitch for a Munster's movie. 
Like, now, you know, I've, I've, I've a still question. available. <laughs> I mean, the monsters are a flawed <laughs> concept to begin with, but that's not your fault. That's, I mean, it, the genetics <laughs> don't make any sense that a Frankenstein plus a vampire <laughs> would make a wolf man. It doesn't, you know, but anyway, that's besides the point. So, bef- unless they're both carrying the recessive gene for lycanthropy. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but no. Uh, Stuart, sorry. Uh, wait. <laughs> so wait. Uh, if you were a scientist, you'd be able to answer questions of lycanthropy. Well, if I was a if I was a biologist <laughs> who specialized in in monsterology, sure, yeah. Okay, Stuart. Now, I, I know you just got distracted, but it really felt like you were you were interrupting, like not to ask Parker a question, but to ask that question. Of, uh, of I do have a question. Uh, so before putting this pitch together. Had you were you a fan of Super Mario Brothers? I didn't. I had never played Super Mario Brothers until we got hired. In fact, nobody in the production office was that concerned about referencing the game. Like nobody oh, okay. had done. Interesting. Yeah. Nobody had done a, a video game movie, so nobody really knew what to do. That's what I. I that's yeah. what I wondered. Because yeah. I was like, I was wondering because it really feels from the movie like I was wondering if there was any thought that like, well, we have to give the fans the video game like something that they can hold on to, or if it was just like, they're called Mario and Luigi, maybe we see a pipe, done, we're making the movie. Like, is that, th- there was just no feeling that it had to, it really had to spring from the game particularly. Well, I think because they had done this, you know, they'd gone pretty far into a, a movie version of that, like that, right? Yeah. So they had tried that and they really did, knew they didn't want to do that. Uh, that it, was, yeah. it would skew too young. So that I think they then were kind of lost, like, okay, well, now what do we do? Because well, it's not going to just be the bright colored video game thing. And you're saying That's that what, it wasn't like when you were writing it, you weren't like, I can't believe I get to actually write a story for Mario and Luigi, <laughs> two of my favorite characters. Well, all right. I was a big Donkey Kong okay. addict. So, so I, go. you know, Mario has a place in my heart. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but Luigi uh, can suck it. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> hey, where was he when, he when the ape needed stopping? I don't know. Sure. He wasn't helping. Yeah. I mean, not to be like, I don't want this to sound like weirdly condescending, but like, that's what I find charming about the movie is that it does feel like it's like the first of its kind. And like, people didn't necessarily know, like, what is a video game movie? Like, what is mm-hmm. that? Like, like, like a, a book, you know, was being adapted into a play for the first yeah. time. And they're like, I don't know, maybe if we put the book on stage, like that yeah. could be the the play. Like, Does it need yeah. like, chapters? We, we don't know. We'll have to figure that out. How do we do it? You yeah. know, and like- U- that's- Udo Kier wasn't sitting around. <laughs> is, is that, wait, is it, who am I thinking of? No, that's Uwe, Uwe Boll is who I was thinking <laughs> No, but Udo Kier probably wasn't hanging around to answer video game questions. He was probably doing <laughs> no. cool ass shit. Yeah. I mean, knowing Udo like Kier, a, yeah, definitely. I mean, feels- he's a huge gamer, but still. <laughs> It feels like this whole like road not taken for video game movies in in a way that like I I kind of really enjoy watching it, you know like yeah uh, but I, like yeah sorry go on no I I uh, well I'm trying to to pay attention <laughs> that's always very hard we can't even do that always but hard I, I was wondering uh, because yeah. I I got the chance once to pitch on a job I didn't get for a Looney Tunes project and I was like. Just to be able to write a script where, like, I write like Bugs Bunny opens the door or something's like that would yeah. be so exciting. And I and I've always wondered when there's IP like this if uh, if the writer who's doing it has that sort of like thrill at just being involved with those characters or if it's just like I just got to do this job. But I guess the Mario Brothers games, I mean, they're forty years old now, but at the time they were ten years old, you know, or something. It wasn't. It's not like you grew yeah. up playing it, you know. 
Yeah, but they were they were the most. I mean, it was the most recognizable piece of IP at the time. Like more mm-hmm. than Mickey Mouse, more than like so Mario. Uh, you know, had a huge like whatever they call that. What is it? Q TV Q. Q rating. Anyway, Q rating. You know, so that everybody like there was a big understanding. Okay, this is a popular character, but they. You know, there wasn't a character. It's like Mario runs around and jumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially back he then. Likes I don't to think crush he, turtles. Like he didn't even have a voice yet back then. There wasn't even it's a me Mario. It was or Mario, I'm sorry. It was just like a yeah, he really was just a guy in overalls who jumps on turtles. Like Yeah. And I, I think I just I think you should definitely tell everyone as you did on, on the on the uh, uh, live broadcast, do not jump on turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's no. something. Thank you. For anyone who hasn't watched the broadcast, it was it's not a good idea. The turtles don't like it. It's not healthy for you. You get salmonella from their shells and they don't you know, in the Mario games often in the later games the turtles will slide out of their shells and just get mad at you. That's not yeah. what happens. Trust me. No. Trust from a guy who knows because I learned the wrong way. Do not jump <laughs> on a turtle. Yeah. I wanted uh, to well, go ahead. No, I just wanted to ask, like, when you came on, was did you have like a pre- like because there had been pre- previous drafts? Were there particular marching orders that they're like, we want you for this specific reason? Like, what what your like so direction you were pointed in? Yeah, well, we we didn't take direction very well. Uh, <laughs> so we had we had it in our brains. We wanted to make Ghostbusters. So in our in our head, we wanted uh, Bruno Kirby as Mario, and uh, we loved John Leguizamo. He had done a live show and yeah. we saw in Chicago, and you know we pitched him pretty early as uh, Luigi, and uh, um, but you know that uh, we wanted Mario to be younger and kind of more Bill Murray esque, and uh, we wrote it. You know, in our first version of this, we had him. Hitting on women, and uh, he's trying to fix a dishwasher, and he's kind of like, you know, I'm making mm-hmm. bad double entendres, and uh, pipe talking and, about uh, pipes, probably, yeah, pi- probably talking about pipes, <laughs> wetness. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we we had a more wisecracking, you know, Ghostbustery tone, and we wanted, you know, we knew that we had the concept, which was the dinosaurs had uh, not actually gone extinct; they were thrust into a parallel dimension when the meteorite hit or meteor hit and, uh, uh, you know, evolved into sort of people, which we thought was genius. We just thought this is the best idea ever. And, you know, finally somebody has something we can hang on, you know, hang a story on. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on, I realized they probably had just seen a Doctor Who episode with the Saurians and and (laughs) cribbed that. But but at the time, I was like, you know, super enthralled. (laughs) And... um, and ter- so Terry and I were, you know, we're comedy writers and we were trying to, you know, make it funny and make it Ghostbusters. And the producers, first of all, they wanted to keep the entire first act that Jim Genoan and Tom Parker wrote and just have us go from there. And I was like, no, mm. we can't, you can't set up one movie <laughs> <laughs> and then write another movie and go from there. So, so we didn't do that. And then they wanted us to keep everything in Brooklyn as long as possible because they didn't have the budget that they really needed to go do dino, you know, mm-hmm. dino world, dino happen. Yeah. And so we, you know, kind of extended the story in Brooklyn and added a whole bunch of nonsense <laughs> that makes no sense now. It's like, well, there's these girls that are kidnapped, and but it's by these guys who don't can't recognize humans apart, and so they can't get the princess right. And so there's like these, like half dozen girls from Brooklyn that are being, 
kidnapped. And one from Queens. And, yeah, one from Queens. And people will know. Yeah, people, who watch, people who watch the show will know. The people watched our live show will know that like that that is those are by far the best characters in the movie. Yeah. Our favorite characters are the, all these Brooklyn ladies. The minute the minute I love there's the one woman who's smoking a cigarette the whole yeah, time. The, the minute Daniela Mar- Mario's girlfriend comes on screen, I'm like, who is this? This is the mm-hmm. st- like this is the movie yeah. I want to see. Come on. Yeah. But, it, but it makes sense. Like um. I love the idea of the the version you're talking about because as much as I love Bob Hoskins as an actor, he is so not creating a character in in the Mario yeah. Brothers movie. And I feel like someone like Bruno Kirby would be like, "Oh, okay, I know this guy. Like, I you know I can do this." Whereas um, it may, maybe wasn't the best the best use of Bob. If with Bob Hoskins, it feels like they were like, "He looks like the character. Get him in that. Get him in overalls. Get him out there." You know. Yeah, no, they went to everybody who could possibly look like a short, squat, mustachioed guy. <laughs> yeah. So Dan- Danny DeVito, they went to, you know, they went to a lot of people. Well, but, and, uh, and also, like, Hoskins uh, was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit at this point, right? Like, I feel like that's, there's, there, uh, some studio exec probably saw the parallels in their head. Yeah. I, there was also a ticking clock, and they had to make a deal, and, yeah. you know, uh, Tom Hanks had turned them down, and... Uh, Etc. So I, you know, we we were in the middle of writing when they made that deal, and so suddenly our draft made no sense. <laughs> uh, and it's like Bob Hoskins is not going to be, you know, coming on to the lady uh, looking up her skirt under. Uh, no, it'd be threatening. It would be, so, it, it'd be incredibly be threatening if he did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so we got a pat. We did a pass where we we made him more of a fatherly older brother and uh, tried to make that work. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, like, th- that's some of the stuff I enjoy the most is the, the sort of warmth of just him with uh, Luigi. Uh, and we learned on uh, the, the live stream that you were responsible for the Mario Mario scene, which has become Nintendo canon. Uh, so, you know, congr- <laughs> I would say uh, you, it, it, it's very fortunate that you t- it seems like all of the best material has, <laughs> that I remember at least comes from your draft. <laughs> well, no, let's, let's be fair. So, so really what happened was uh, we, <laughs> uh, we did a quick, quick draft to try to make it Bob Hoskins, and then they, pan- they got nervous and they said uh, – Actually, a lovely man named Fred Caruso, who's one of the producers on the Godfather movies, uh, came up and he said, uh, just theoretically, uh, hypothetically, how soon would it take you to get packed up and out of this office? <laughs> so, That's one could way you do, to do it by it, saying, no rush, but tomorrow would be good? Uh, this is going to sound so like we, a strange question. But where were the offices? Were they, like, did they have you on the studio lot? Like no, this was in uh, Light Motive Entertainment. This is Roland's company in uh, West Hollywood, um, oh, Robertson okay. Boulevard. And so we would, we, they had a loft. And so it was sort of the idea loft. So that we had the, the Nintendo console. And I, I logged many serious hours playing. So I became an addict of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. And I was actually the one who was kind of the keeper of the, fl- of the game flame. Like, I insisted, you know, well, you can't just ignore all of the stuff. Like, <laughs> Nintendo had given us a, a, cheap, a cheat sheet of, like, here's the characters, you know, the Babam and the Thwomps and the, you know, so we've got to reference these guys somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I was, wherever possible, I'm, like, you know, shoehorning it. Well, this is Toad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To- the guy with the harmonica is Toad. And this is, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, we, you know, we had... Uh, 
we couldn't make we couldn't do Bowser because that was just too weird. So we we made him Koopa, and we couldn't do Peach. Now why, so why we made was, a Daisy. Why was Bowser too weird? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I think you can't yeah. you can't help but think of the Shauna Naga. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. It's just Especially it's not then, threatening. Yeah. It's not threatening. <laughs> <laughs> he's also yeah he's also <laughs> one of the least threatening members of Shauna Na. Uh, not not to mention already it's a non, it's a non threatening band. Yeah, so. Yeah, is he though? All right, <laughs> uh, he does. Uh, he does. You know, flex his muscles a lot. That's true. So, but what would have but been the whole scarier, joke is that like he's not a... that strong. That his muscles aren't that big. But anyway, <laughs> Stu, you were saying. I'm. I wonder is is it scarier to have like a dinosaur dragon man, dragon turtle man, or Dennis Hopper? And I think Dennis Hopper's scarier. Yeah, <laughs> with that haircut, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and in real life, even scarier. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. that was, well, I wanted to ask about that, too. It seems, it, it seemed like it was a tense uh, production, and I don't know how close you were to it, whether you witnessed yeah, well, any. So, so what happened was Ed Solomon and, um, oh, God, I forgot the other guy's name. I'm sorry. Other guy. Uh, Ed Solomon and a, and a partner, uh, were brought in after us. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, they, they brought George Stone in who had worked with them on Max Headroom and, they, and I think, oh no, and then um, uh, Dick, Cle- uh, uh, Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, it was a, bunch of, a couple of really seasoned British uh, sitcom writers, uh, they did a draft that was sort of a kind of a diehard draft. Uh, so there was a lot of work done on this script. And honestly, the their draft was what got like uh, Fiona Shaw interested. Like they ga- oh. they created that character and gave her a bunch of stuff to do, and then Ed Solomon came and sort of undid all that. <laughs> and so she's huh. in the movie now with you know and yeah, and kind of wondering what happened. Uh, yeah. So lots she's and lots a very of curious character part now. Yeah, her character. You're like, why is this in the movie? That makes sense. That it's a it's left over from an earlier earlier draft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it was in the movie because because Rocky and Annabelle were really kind of interested in making this more and more adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were not they didn't want it to be a kid thing at all. They wanted it to be like, you know, hyper aggressive characters and kind of a punk rock feel and uh I I know. can see some of that on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the, uh, the, the, the police officers all wearing fetish gear with bedazzled police on their backs, you know, that's oh, they lo- they loved that. They, they were, had all that all over the office. They had the, like, spiky rubber suits everywhere. Yeah. And <laughs> they, I, I can't, I can only surmise. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they, um, so there are no, numerous drafts. Ed Solomon, I think, wrote the final shooting draft in a week of all-nighters. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they were shooting. And we were kind of friendly with uh, uh, one of the guys in the office, uh, one of the production people, um, Lenny Young, and we were keeping tabs on what was going on and kind of wondering, you know, where the, you know, we'd worked on it and we were we liked the project and we were, you know, we were motivated to stay involved. And he suggested we might want to come out to the set. And so Terry and I said, all right, well, and we got in a car and we drove to North Carolina from Chicago. And uh, we showed up on the set, and and Rocky comes like running over to us. Oh, good, you're here! You know, I was I was just saying I need a couple of pencils, 
And that was his term for the, you know, people who would listen to, to him and write down what he said. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then the producers went, oh, good, you're here. We need a couple of people to cut 25 pages out of everything that we haven't <laughs> shot yet because we're $25 million over budget. Yikes. And so, wow. uh, did you do the so thing where you uh, like played that. with the margins and you were cutting stage directions and things like that to make it shorter? Yeah, you know that dialogue extended where that one extra word, you know, gets that up on the page. Perfect. Oh, yeah, it's it feels so good when you when you get rid of a line and it's like mm-hmm. I, and you and you're like I didn't change anything about how this how much time this will take, but it certainly <laughs> looks like it's shorter. Oh, it feels so good. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah. I'm going first. It's me, Jackie Kasian. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, (laughs) I'm Lori Kilmartin. Uh, We're a bunch of stand-up comics, and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total with (laughs) both of us, but we look amazing. We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie Laurie Show, and you could listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make (laughs) one complete woman. Is that just what that one's going to end? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh, my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. This podcast is sponsored in part by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. Well, going to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? You know, uh, going to a therapist doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means that You want to be the best person you can be, a person that you're happy with, a person who is happier in your your own skin, in your interactions with people who could communicate better. All of these are things that therapy can help. Even just someone who feels like they have a place that they can put the feelings or the thoughts or the worries they don't have a place for. There's almost nobody I can think of in the entire world who would not benefit from just having at the very least the outlet that therapy provides, if not the help for the things that Dan talks about, which are things that almost everybody needs help with, with the possible exception of like, I don't know, Patrick Stewart maybe? 
Mm. I don't know. You see, you know, he seems really happy. You know, but I bet that's uh, that's probably a result of therapy. I don't know anything about him. I might yeah. be starting a rumor, yeah. but it shouldn't be a rumor because everyone should should get therapy. But, yeah, I, but it, he and Ian palling around. I mean, yeah. they on. seem very well adjusted. That'll be fun. And but if you're not them, which you may be, if you are them, please get in touch. We'd love to have you on the Flop House, mm-hmm. Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart or both at the same time. But if you're not them, then. It's worth looking into therapy just to get you to that Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen level of just feeling comfortable in your own skin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Flophouse listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash flop. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash flop. <laughs> So yeah, the the set was a disaster. It was uh, in, shooting in this abandoned cement factory uh, in uh, North Carolina that had sh- they shot the crow there. Okay, uh, and and so there had already been a horrific incident. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, got, it's got it's got a really good track record. Yeah, for for smooth <laughs> shoots. Yeah, and uh, and it's 110 degrees, and they can't run any air conditioning because of the sound, and then they can't use any of the sound anyway. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh God! That's horrible. And everyone is miserable, and nobody has. None of the directors. I'm sorry. None of the actors are are you know getting any direction really, and so they're all sort of afloat. Uh, and Richard Edson and Fisher Stevens, uh, you know, they're basically making up everything. They're just improvising everything that they're doing. Yeah, that that was a question I had: is how like how much of that was on the page, and how much was them just trying to do a riff on I think they were just trying to you know and they wanted as much screen time as they could so they would yeah. they would go keep yeah. riffing and they were great yeah. Fisher Fisher Stevens is actually in the, the first movie that Terry and I uh, got made called Mystery Date uh, so he plays a psychotic flower delivery person who's uh, chasing after Ethan Hawke on a on a date that's gone awry so lots of misery on the set but also you know I I we had a great time like everybody else is miserable we show up <laughs> and it's like oh my god look at this set of Dino Hatton and look at these props and look at the goombas and you know this uh the genius uh production design of the the creatures and and the yeah. goombas there's a guy named Patrick Totopoulos who did all of the creature yes. design yeah i think he i think he's done uh he was on that that show face off I think. Oh, wow. I think he was one of the, I don't know ah. if he was a regular uh, judge, but I definitely feel like I've, I've seen him on there. And yeah, yeah, he's very well known now. He does all of the, the uh, Zach Snyder stuff. And I, think he, he did, I think he did some Underworld stuff too, maybe. Possibly. Yeah. He's, he's a, he was a genius. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of incredibly talented people and it's fun to see the effects and the, the, and the, what do they call it? Articulated puppet that that was Yoshi. So there's like these sticks that are coming out that are blue screened out, and they're walking this thing, and there's like a, all these wires coming, and there's puppeteers doing all of this blinking and stuff, and it just it looked inc- like it looks real on the set, uh, and so that was amazing. Um, but no, the actors were just miserable. Samantha Mathis, poor poor Samantha Mathis, she was shooting another movie at the same time. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So she was coming from uh, the set of uh, uh, the thing called Love, uh-huh. and I think she and she and River Phoenix were an item at the time. Okay, and so you could if you st- if you freeze frame the movie, you can see like she hasn't slept. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
But think of think of the stories she gets to take to that set from the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, that must be. <laughs> well, yeah, what what tonal whiplash between those two movies? <laughs> <laughs> she starts she starts calling River Phoenix Yoshi on the set of the other one, and you're like, yeah. he's like, what? Let me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a dinosaur for a second. I apologize. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what set am I on? That, but it must be seeing that set. It looks, yeah, it looks like it must have been amazing just to like walk around in it. You know, just to get to see. Yeah, it really was, and and you know, you miss you miss a lot when it's on film. You know, they they every corner is crammed with stuff. Yeah, that you know the that's I think that's the great joy of being the screenwriter is just knowing that some poor uh, prop person had to stay up late and make the you know the meat donuts that you wrote into the <laughs> <laughs> the thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, and, and uh, we hung out mostly, um, so Fiona Shaw was trying to get us to write more stuff for her because she, she thought we were Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet. Uh, <laughs> That's great. And, uh, yeah, so we hung out with Richard Edson and Mojo Nixon when we could, and uh, mostly we hung out in the editorial department, and I became really good friends with Mark Goldblatt. Uh, who's stayed an amazing close friend for years. In fact, um, uh, I thought of you guys because he, uh, early, much, well, a long time ago now, uh, through Mark Goldblatt, I met Stuart Gordon. Oh, and, wow. Uh, got to, you know, got invited to the uh, private cast and crew screening of Castle Freak. Oh, wow. So, all <laughs> oh, comes man. back to the flop house. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, Castle oh, Freak so cool. is like Kevin Bacon. It, you're, all, you're never more than six degrees no. away from it at any given yeah. time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to, maybe you got to see our friend, our, our new friend, Barbara Crampton, who still puts little hearts on our uh, Instagram stories <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's amazing. She's the best. She's she so the best. sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, we hung out in the editorial, and it was pretty clear from looking at the editorial that this was not working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they tried real hard, and they kept. I think, as you guys noted, uh, they just kept cutting it faster and faster. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I was I was trying to take notes while I was watching it, and a long time Flophouse listeners will know that I usually the only time I get to watch these movies usually is while I'm doing the dishes or now while I'm eating lunch. And I had it, it meant that like it, the dishes were taking me so long because I was like, hold on, wait, I gotta I gotta write more notes. Hold on, hold mm-hmm. on a second. Like usually I can let a scene go by in a movie and then write down you know in a line what happened in the scene. But with this, it was like, wait, okay, then this thing happened. This okay, yeah. so they they get brought to the interrogation room and Koopa's there and he's pretending to be a lawyer. But then he immediately drops that act and starts just telling him <laughs> that they're Koopa, they're Koopa, and, and then they get taken away to be devolved. And they see another guy get devolved, and and so Mojo Nixon gets turned into a Koopa, and they give him his harmonica. And then they, the, they're about to devolve the Mario Brothers, but they push Koopa in, but just a little bit, so he doesn't get devolved all the way, and they escape. Like it's oh, the movie is like yeah, it's. I feel like if you if you close your eyes for for too long while watching the movie then you're like what happened where are they what's going on which in which in retrospect like is super fun like it makes the movie more fun in some ways that it's like the movie it's like the movie as soon as the title screen comes up super mario brothers it's like the movie is checking to make sure you have your seatbelt on and then it's like okay let's go like 100, 100 miles per hour let's keep moving Yes. Well, anyway, we're on the set trying to cut uh, lines and scenes, <laughs> and uh, um, we get this horrible uh, c- call from a PA that we need to come immediately, uh, that the directors and the producers need us immediately uh, because Dennis Hopper is very unhappy. 
And so uh, basically uh, the producers and the director have thrown us under the bus uh, <laughs> because uh, we cut like four lines out of some speeches, <laughs> and he, you know, he'd already committed what few brain cells, you know, were working to like memorizing the one mm-hmm. that he would memorized, and he hollered at us for at least half an hour, like oh, like it, you, if you timed it, it, like he kept screaming. He made me look up the word "act" in the dictionary and read it out loud. Uh, he, it was. It was. Uh, and wait, wait. Did you have a dictionary on set? <laughs> yeah, that's. The, yeah. <laughs> that somebody like yeah. somebody, some poor PA had to go get a dis- dictionary so I could read <sighs> the definition of the word "act." And uh, yeah, it's like basically whatever we, whatever time we saved by cutting the four lines. <laughs> yeah. Was eaten up in the production by. Uh, I think we lost the whole day for for Dennis that day. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, uh, everybody, nobody escaped unscathed. Uh, eventually, we we left and we were done with our little little. You know, we cut what we could and we and we you know did the best. We, there was no ending because the ending mm-hmm. we had written was uh, supposed to be on top of the Brooklyn Bridge and was this giant climactic battle on top of the Brooklyn Bridge, and uh, that had gotten scrapped long ago. And so we pitched this kind of goofy like we'll just make it as goofy as possible there'll be a ba-bomb it'll be tiny uh (laughs) koopa koopa will go into a bucket and then a giant you know tyrannosaurus head will come out (laughs) and that's what they wound up shooting (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) in some ways it was pretty good Did, um, did Dennis Hopper yeah. ever apologize? I'm guessing not, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. Uh, no. Okay. Um, I no. wish I was wrong on that. That he like sent you. No, okay nobody. Nobody apologizes. Nobody apologizes in Hollywood. That's not. A, <laughs> yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. So we left, and we. Here's the thing. Okay. And mm-hmm. anybody who does anything in Hollywood knows this. You are deluded all the time uh-huh. that this could work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you're like you hope springs eternal. It's like this treadmill of hope where you're like thinking, you know, it's not a good movie, but there are worse movies that have made a gajillion dollars on Memorial Day. Maybe yeah. this, you know, who knows what we don't know. Um, but they had a test screening and uh, it did not go well. And mm-hmm. a lot of people in the audience were con- confused, essentially, like they didn't understand the premise. <laughs> even. And so they brought Terry and I back to write uh, ADR dialogue. Uh, and the post-production supervisor said it was the most ADR dialogue she had ever seen in a movie. <laughs> because A, the, the, the sound they'd captured on set all had to be looped. Wow. <laughs> and then we came in, and whenever a character's in the long shot or uh, turning their head away, uh, we're saying, uh, meteorite, earth, uh, parallel dimensions. <laughs> like, right, we, okay, nobody yeah. got it. And then they forced us to write an intro to like set right. up the premise. Yeah. And we're like, we dragging our heels. We, nobody wants to do this intro. And because uh, they have no budget left. And like the guys, who's the guy who does your animation? Uh, Tony Oker is the guy who does like the, the intros for the, the intros for the live show. And then John Holt, our friend, did the interstitials uh, in, in this streaming thing this last time. I think we got somebody's like second cousin's nephew's, you know, girlfriend. I don't know what wherever they <laughs> yeah. got this person. Our thought was, okay, we'll do an animated intro in the style of the video game. 
Oh, right? right. Like okay. that will tie it all together. We'll do a, you know, it'll look like the video game. And uh, we had Dan Kesselanetta reading the voiceover. And oh, uh, I'd, oh, I'd known yeah. him from Chicago. Um, and uh, we had, uh, yeah, so we wrote this, you know, thing like Brooklyn <laughs> 65 million years ago and then Brooklyn now. Uh, of course, no, you know, meteor ever hit Brooklyn. But <laughs> okay. Yeah, it wouldn't have the guts. It wouldn't have the balls to come at you Brooklyn. You learn something every day. You take that shit elsewhere, meteorite. Come on. <laughs> forget about so, it. So we added all this dialogue looping, and we added the intro, and it's still, uh, you know, we had the premiere screening, and my own mother came up to me at the premiere screening and said it was the worst movie she'd ever <laughs> seen in her life. Well... I can introduce your mother to some other movies um, <laughs> from the Flophouse's back catalog that I assure her are worse. Um, you're supposed to lie. You're, it's, you're my yeah, mother. Yes. That's, oh, yes. no. Parents, so, parents they, I think they get a thrill out of, out of those moments. There's, so, there, there's a number of things I've worked. There was something I won an award for writing, and my dad was like, and I said, I won an award for it. And he goes, oh, I thought it was pretty poor. I thought that one was pretty poor. I was like, wow. thanks, Dad. Wow. <laughs> Appreciate it. Not your best effort. Yeah, so I, I, have, I have a two-part question. The first is, uh, did you have a hand in the the end of the movie where they that is very blatantly setting up the next adventure? <sighs> I have to admit that that was entirely me. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I was hoping you were going to say. What was the plan for the next adventure? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So what was supposed to happen? <laughs> uh, <yep. laughs> Is when they merged the dimensions, yep. we we envisioned there being like sort of, you know, how there's a multiverse, it's very popular mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. right. that we would see all of these incredible other dimensions and like including the video game. Like you'd see the characters in a video game dimension and you'd see like, you know, the, the evolved from chipmunks, you know, you'd see a bunch of different things that were, you know, that it wasn't just the dinosaurs. So our idea for the sequel was, you know, the dimensions are collapsing and there's a whole bunch of other dimensions and, you know, we've got to, we've got to somehow stabilize the meteor and, um, that's a great et cetera, idea. Et cetera. And they had already tacked, they that tacked on coming the, out. it's the new Spider-Man movie. <laughs> and uh, also the last the Spider-Man cartoon movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> and kind of all of Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. We were ahead of our time. What can mm -hmm. I say? Well, uh, it was amazing <laughs> to have you appear. Uh, if you want to see him appear and two-thirds of the Flophouse uh, looked panicked all of a sudden, like <laughs> they've been caught doing something they shouldn't be, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can watch the live show for a little <laughs> bit more probably now. Um, but before you go, uh, we wanted to ask whether there was anything uh, you wanted to plug anything you wanted to say to the listeners, any like message you want to get out in the world, uh, something anything. to the young yeah. generation for the future. The yeah. younger. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, so for one thing, uh, I'm, uh, um, one of the things that, uh, is, is sad to me is that my writing partner, Terry Ronte, uh, uh, really did not want to be remembered as, you know, primarily as the guy who wrote Super Mario Brothers. And, uh, he died, uh, quite a while ago. And I, realized, oh, you know what? There's a whole bunch of his stuff that's really brilliant that I could put on the internet. And so I'm, uh, I've, I'm launching a website that's sort of a tribute to him called terryrunte.com. Uh, his birthday's coming up on October 8th, and the site will launch then. Uh, and I'm doing a little Zoom reading of uh, a story about Super Mario Brothers. And uh, so people want to 
Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but if, it, if it's coming out before October 8th, uh, you can go to terryrunte.com and uh, sign up and get the Zoom link for that. Uh, and I should note, uh, uh, there's a guy, a couple of guys, Ryan Haas and Stephen Applebaum, who are absolute like maniacs about Super Mario Brothers, and they've created a whole archive of everything about the movie at smbmovie.com. And uh, so, if you're if you're interested in how this movie, uh, the the genesis of this movie, and the, the disastrous <laughs> production of it, and uh, everything else, uh, all of that is there at smbmovie.com. I well, will say that there there are movies that I I mean I, as much as I enjoy the Super Mario Brothers movie there are other movies that I that I dearly love that I find the making of them not half not even a tenth as interesting as I do the making of this movie so now it's like <laughs> I, like there's nothing I don't want to know about the making of, of of this movie I just want to know everything I can so I'm gonna be I'm gonna suddenly gonna be spending a lot of time on that site. For sure. Yes. Well, I think you guys can take some credit here because uh, apparently, like today, there was a news article about how Super Mario Brothers is like trending and is like number six in the charts on Amazon and like people mm. are buying. I, I am assuming it's all because of the live show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the Flophouse bump, we call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, only, if only we had that much power. I, I don't think it's that Chris Pratt news or anything no, like that. No, no, no. no. They, I mean, they want to get that news out of there before our live show anyway, because they want to, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, they want to change the conversation. catch the wave, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> catch the wave. Uh, catch the wave, dude. Taste the rainbow. They're like, well, no one's going to be interested in Super Mario Brothers after the Flophouse show. It's only the huge lead up to the Flophouse show, so yeah. we better release this Chris Pratt information now. Uh-huh. Uh, well, thank you, Parker, for uh, for being a listener and also for not hating us for uh, talking about the movie, which we all, I think, really enjoyed. So yeah. uh, perhaps there's no reason to... Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, it was a big question for me whether it was a, a good, bad, worst movie my mother had ever seen in her life <laughs> or a bad, bad, worst, worst movie my mother had ever seen in her life. Uh, well, there's yeah, no, no better place uh, to stop... <laughs> Then there, uh, thank you to Alex, uh, our Alex Smith, our uh, producer. Name. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, why not do both of them? He he got two. He got two in the mail. Use both. Um, <laughs> go over to maximumfun.org. Check out the other podcasts. Um, thank you again to our guest Parker Bennett. But for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Ellie Kalen, and our guest has been Parker Bennett. And don't forget, if you get if you're listening to this on day of release, to go check out uh, our limited edition merch, and uh, you might be able to still catch that live show. Bye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.